extraordinary revolutionary baby with katie z hi everybody welcome back to the revolution i'm katie zapanta i'm your host and i have a new friend joining me today grace i'm gonna let you introduce yourself hello everyone i'm grace my pronouns are she her and I'm a theater maker based in DC, but I'm technically living in LA right now because of the pandemic. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much who I am. Uh, I work in marketing. I also, uh, I have a TikTok at not Kristen Bell. If you want to follow, just hit me up um, and where I recommend plays and I talk about theater history. So yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I love that you mentioned your TikTok because I was going to say, everyone, <laughs> this is where I found Grace. You always um, got a self-plug, you know? <laughs> right? So once again, TikTok, you know, I'm obsessed with. It's my life. It's my love. Um, and here I am finding yet another theater artist on TikTok and sliding into their DMs. But, you know, no one's turned me down yet, which is really, really nice of the theater community of TikTok. And I will die on the hill that TikTok is the future of theater. So, yes. <laughs> so I found Grace. I thought your name was Kristen because it's not Kristen <laughs> Bell. And I was like calling you mentally Kristen forever. And then I emailed you and I was like, that's not her name. Um, <laughs> so someone, I like Grace's well, someone made a video. Someone <laughs> really? made a video and they were like, they were like, I literally thought she was Kristen Bell. <laughs> and they stitched my video and I was dying laughing. That's I was so like, that's funny. so funny. <laughs> no, so I saw your TikToks. I'm trying to remember the first TikTok I ever saw. I think it honestly might have been one that that Emma tagged you in. And then I was like, mm -hmm. I knew Emma and I already followed them. And I was like, who's this other theater person? Um, <laughs> so it's great slowly finding myself onto like, I've been on theater TikTok for a hot minute, but like not not the the fun theater, the not drama TikTok, <laughs> not play review TikTok. I've been on like musical theater TikTok, which is a different theater TikTok. Oh, completely different TikTok beast. You want to be on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so before we get into our topic of the day, Grace, do you want to give me a little bit of like your background into theater, you know, when you got into it, what you love about it, what you hate, about it um your favorite type of theater to to create and see it's kind of open up it up to you so I started doing theater when I was like a kid you know doing the the typical children's theater thing that everyone does and then I you know I took a break for a while in middle school because I wanted to like sing which was a weird thing um because I don't really sing at all anymore <laughs> um but then I you know I went to high school and I got to do some really amazing productions. I had a really great drama teacher there. And so, you know, I became more and more interested in theater. And then, you know, I remember I kept saying like, I'm not gonna do it. And then eventually I was like auditioning for programs, you know, so, <laughs> um, so then I went to American University where I studied public relations and uh, theater performance, uh, which was crazy. Cause I started out as like a musical theater, political science double major and just completely switched. Because when I went to college, I just realized like, the scripts that I was reading, like straight plays, they were so much more interesting than the musicals I was reading mm -hmm. and seeing. And so I, I just became enamored with, you know, straight plays and with the productions that were going on in DC, like DC has a really vibrant theater uh, scene yeah, over sure. there. So it was, Mammoth and all those big, theaters. oh yeah, it was so cool. And it was so great to see like new productions, you know, with their first, their first run at these really amazing regional, you know, theaters. So um, so I really fell in love with the art form over there and, uh, I kind of just, I really like, start, I started reading a lot of plays when I, my first internship was at, um, Forum Theater and I worked there for about a year and I was their literary management intern. So I was reading like a bunch of scripts mm -hmm, and so I just fell in love, <laughs> right? Like, you know, it, it's kind of crazy to, to be working in literary because they're constantly reading scripts. So it just becomes a habit. Um, and then after that, I worked in marketing at Imagination Stage and then worked at Studio Theater. And I just started interning kind of a lot um, and, you know, trying to balance like, you know, outside jobs while also like doing an internship while also being in school, which was crazy. Uh, and then that summer, um, going into my senior year, I worked at the Kennedy Center, which was an amazing experience. And then after that, I worked at American Pops Orchestra, which I actually got through the Kennedy Center, which was really cool. Um, and that was a really amazing experience. And then, yeah, I 
you know, I had some things lined up before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened and all of the apprenticeship programs were just like shut down for the year. So that's kind of when I created my TikTok because I was like, I want to keep promoting plays and I want to do it in a way that's um, exciting and interesting to young people who may not be aware that like this work is being created. Because I just, I had no idea that these plays were being written when I was in high school. You know, like my director in high school was a film guy and like, it was awesome to learn about films from him, but like, I was really interested in theater and, um, and I just didn't know that like there were playwrights like Annie Baker and Brandon Jacobs Jenkins. And so I think for me, like, I'm really interested in political theater. I'm really interested in, um, work about young women. Like, I think there's a lot of really exciting work about young women, basically anything the Kilroy's list recommends. I'm like a fan of. So <laughs> that's I live, much like I my... live and die by the Kilroy's list. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like it's all, they always have the best list. So, so yeah, that's like a little background about me, no, but that's awesome. And I love that you were giving your intern backstory because <laughs> all right, everyone, our topic for today is internships and specifically internships in the arts and how to get an internship um and and things like that and how to use it once you're in that and like use it for networking blah 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 blah. so I guess let's just dive right in (laughs) I'm gonna start (laughs) by saying that as a junior um in college (laughs) chill down my spine every time I say the word Um, oh yeah (laughs) so I'm just gonna say that Carnegie Mellon is a very unique place in that (laughs) I am surrounded by very, very intelligent people constantly. By that, I mean, I live with three other people currently. Two of them have internships this summer for Apple. Um, wow. The Apple. And <laughs> <laughs> the Apple? The Apple. Um, and Apple recently sent one of my roommates a computer to use for the summer, um, a monitor to use for the summer, um, I believe an iPad as well, uh, things like that. So we're lucky if we get like a Metro pass, (laughs) we're going to get it there. We're going to get it. (laughs) Um, and then my, my other roommate, um, is graduating. Uh, but she last summer interned at Microsoft. Um, no biggie software engineer intern at Microsoft because she's a computer science major at Carnegie Mellon. And then she got a return offer for Microsoft. So I'm surrounded by these kinds of conversations every day. As yeah. <laughs> Frantically applying to everything mm-hmm. going, this is unpaid. This is unpaid. Yep. <laughs> this is unpaid. And this is unpaid. So, so in terms of me personally, like internships, gotta love them but god they're the most stressful thing in the world um especially being in this environment where everyone's getting one now it's good to know that in terms of the art world no one's getting internships um Mm -hmm. (laughs) there are very very few out there so that's a little more encouraging uh you can't really compare the industries in that way um but yeah let's talk about let's talk about internships in the arts uh and how inherently inequitable they are Mm-hmm. So this is something you can talk a lot about because you had many more internships than me. I have only had one internship that I currently do, which is unpaid. I do get college credit for it, um, but it's like an unpaid position. They do give me a little bit of a stipend, uh, but otherwise I've just been chilling for them for the past like four <laughs> or five months. Um, been doing a lot of literary work, been reading a lot of scripts, writing a lot mm-hmm. of rejection letters, um, reorganizing script databases, things like that. Uh, doing a little dramaturgy here and there for for some projects they're working on. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I haven't really had a lot of internship experience in art. So please take it away. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, I, I was so lucky that I was working in a, in a town that had a lot of opportunities for young people to intern. Mm -hmm. Um, I also like, there was a, it was really hard at times because yeah, you, you don't get paid for these internships. So I remember like I worked two other jobs at one point while Mm -hmm. doing my internship and like, you know, work, like working in school and, doing a show. So I think it's really hard for art students because it's like, you know, you're already doing so much at school. Like you're in rehearsal at night and you're, Mm -hmm. you're doing class in the day. So it's, 
it can be, it can be really overwhelming. And I think that's one of the, the hard things about internships. It's like, there's so much, you know, there's so many barriers to entry when it comes to working in the, in the arts. And I mean, for me, like something that I did, I started networking when I was like 19 or, or 20 years old. And it was, it was simply because, you know, I have a disability and I know that like, if I, if I am just an actor, which like, I mean, being just an actor is awesome, but like, that's something for me that I personally can't do. Like I, I have to, I have to find other ways to do theater that, you know, where, where I can have like health insurance and a, and a steady job and more structure. Um, and so, you know, I started networking with people. And I think one of the things that a lot of young people do, they try to reach out to like the artistic director of a theater company, which I totally understand. And that's awesome if you want to do, but like, if you're trying to, you know, get a meeting with like Maria who works at, you know, um, Woolly Mammoth Theater Company, right. As the artistic director, it's like, she may not have the time to meet with you, but there are so many other people who work at that institution who will have the time to work with you or time to meet with you. Um, and I think that's really important to remember. And so I always encourage young people like start, start kind of small with your, with your networking and like meet the people who are on their way up, because not only will those people probably be, you know, in charge by the time you graduate, but like, you know, they'll be able to connect you with more people in the industry. So it's kind of a slow process of getting to know other people. But like, I think there are so many people in the theater industry who are really, they really do want to help the younger generation, especially right now with COVID. Like they understand that for a lot of us, it's been a really hard time. So I think that's an important thing to remember. And I also think too, like you creating a podcast is so awesome. Like I really encourage young people to like make your own stuff and to to produce your own stuff, you know, because like, yeah, a lot of times theaters, you know, it can be really inaccessible to do an internship. So creating your own work, I think in some ways that can also even look better when you're applying for jobs, because it's like, you're doing your own thing and you're creating your own craft. And I think that's something to really admire with young people, especially in the industry. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I'm going to just hop on by saying, in terms of networking too, definitely explore different facets of theater making too. Like mm -hmm. I have a literary internship right now, but I've done a lot of work with our education department. You know, I've had a few talks with the people in the development department, um, a lot of talks with like those that are kind of acting as like the producers of our company right now. So definitely get in there and like use this opportunity, not just like, you know, to have an internship on your resume, but also like figure out maybe I do want to go into development or maybe education is something that I'd be really interested in um, and really talk to those people and figure out kind of if that's a path that you can take as well. Um, I also definitely second the having your own opinions about theater is like really important. I feel like that's something that a lot of people mm -hmm. um, when they're getting internships, they're just like, I need an internship. I need an internship. You know, like I, I needed to get something on my resume. I need to start making connections. Um, but I, I'm going to say like, try to look at companies that really align with the work that you want to create and that you value and everything. But I understand like, that's definitely hard to do. Like, especially if there's so few right now, you can't really be choosy in that respect. And I think there's actually a lot of value in working with a company and then figuring out that you don't, maybe, maybe you don't want to do new work development, you know? So mm -hmm. you got the chance to work at a new work company and you're like, mm, I'm not really sure if this is it. And so then you want to look at other things, but I think those are really valuable too, because then you get a sense of what kind of art you want to make and what kind of art making you want to be a part of. Um, if you're looking at like Lord A theaters or like Lord D theaters, you know, mm -hmm. definitely really taking the time for yourself to just be like, okay, not only is this in internship where I get to make connections but like are these values you know that I want to be associated with and am I approving of what the theater is doing I think that's a really big thing especially now after all of the we see white American theater you know and mm -hmm. coming um the oh my goodness I'm gonna forget the organization um is it the Asian American and Pacific Islander Actors Alliance that puts up the yearly reports. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. It's AAP. Oh, um, I know the acronym. It's yeah, in my link same. tree if I'm anyone like, wants I know to read a the report. 
<laughs> if you if you Google it, it'll come up. They come up with annual yeah. where they which is really great. They're holding theaters accountable for the changes they say mm-hmm. they're going to make. They give really great um, I love that report. I love that report, especially that was it's something so that great. I was looking at when I was applying to internships this year because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. I'm just going to say, it. I don't want to burn bridges, but like I interviewed a lot with roundabout theater last year. Um, and I was mm-hmm. very far in the process of maybe getting hired for them last year before, you know, the world shut down and all of the internships were canceled, but it's like looking through the report, you know, and looking at roundabouts response to, we see white America theater and everything. It's like, is that a company that you really want to be working for right now? You know, is that a mm-hmm. company that you feel like is aligning with your values or you feel like is doing the work of, you know, realigning themselves and, and trying to do better. So it's just also like when you are looking for internships and you are networking and everything, I definitely encourage people to like look for tiny, tiny theaters or theaters that you don't really know much about or theater collectives even um, that'll just like let you sit and watch. Uh, So for example, I'm a really big fan of, (laughs) they're actually Carnegie Mellon alumni. Um, They're called Pigpen. Uh, I I knew, I was like, is it Pigpen? Yes. They're really great. They came in for a class uh, last year. We had a devising class and they came in and talked about their work and everything. And I was like, yeah, take interns. Um, And (laughs) And we've emailed them back and forth a couple of times, but it's, it's things like that, just finding companies that you really like and you really like their work and being like, hey, do you want an intern? And honestly, this is kind of, this is the only time I'll say this in this whole episode. This is kind of the benefit of an unpaid internship because Mm -hmm. for me, at least it's like (laughs) when I was looking for internships this summer, I was like, this is the last year I can get an unpaid internship before I have to start (laughs) making money. Like this is the last year that I, I will feel okay with like my parents supporting me. Um, So that's like the thing about unpaid internships is that especially if you're like a freshman, sophomore, junior in college, and you still have some kind of support system, like financially, what is a theater going to do if you're saying, hey, let me sit in and watch and do some stuff for you for free? Like, they're not going to mm-hmm. be like, no, <laughs> you know? Exactly. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We don't have to pay you. That's fine by me. Obviously, you should be looking for, you know, paid positions. And I do think that everyone should get compensated for your work, of course, all the time, always. But that's the advantage of especially like these cool theater collectives. Um that you're really interested in, you're really interested in their work is it's basically an observership and you get to make connections in that way. So mm-hmm. definitely take advantage of your time where you can have like another job or something where you're not depending on this as like your one, you know, form of financial support. Definitely take advantage of that time to get something, even if it's unpaid. But I also am a really big advocate for not having internships too. So mm-hmm. I felt the pressure after freshman and sophomore year to get an internship. I didn't get one after my freshman year. Honestly, I didn't really want one. I was very burnout after my first year of, of college. Um, mm-hmm. The Carnegie Mellon School of Drama really spends that first year breaking you down. So I like, you know, rest after my first year. Absolutely. Um, and then after my sophomore year, again, I was on track to interviewing at a lot of different places, but then the whole world shut down. So no one got internships that year. So it's like, obviously companies know that stuff like that happens. You're not going to get, you know, faulted for not having an internship on your resume, but also I think there's a lot of value in doing other work. Um, so I worked at a cigar bar all summer instead of having an internship. And I learned everything about cigars. And I learned everything about alcohol and bartending and everything. And I think that was a really valuable experience. Um, not just because, you know, those are life skills that being a person in the arts, you know, if I need to pay rent, I can pay rent. <laughs> ways. But it's also, I, I had a directing professor my freshman year that told us that, um, I still kind of call bullshit on this, but he said that (laughs) working in the service industry would make you a much better artist. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know if that's true. Um, I think it gave (laughs) you a lot of great material for playing. Yeah, Um, for sure. (laughs) I think it really broke me down, broke down my spirit in a similar way that theater school can sometimes do. So Mm -hmm. it aligns in that way for me. Otherwise, I don't really know what he's talking about. Um, But no, I (laughs) There's a lot of value also in, yeah, everyone puts a lot of pressure on themselves to get an internship, especially in college, but there's a lot of value in doing something else, even if it's just something 
that's just making you money and you're not seeing mm-hmm. any value in it. Um, it definitely does make you a better artist to sometimes like step away from the art for a mm-hmm. little bit, come back to it. Absolutely. And I think too, like, like I worked at anthropology for a while, which was I mean, the stories I have from working at anthropology (laughs) in Georgetown, like insane, just because, I mean, the people you would meet there were such characters. And I think it's so important Mm -hmm. to, to like integrate yourself with, with people that are not working in the arts because there's so Mm -hmm. much you can learn from them because they just live on a different world, you know? So, but yeah. And I will see, I, yeah, no, I worked at the cigar bar that I worked at was, I don't know if you've seen the most recent, um, The Bachelor, but that resort. Yes. That's where I worked all summer. I worked at number Oh my God. Um, yeah, I had, That's I worked amazing. there literally until September and I had no idea they were filming The Bachelor. They kept it so under wraps, like literally like That's weeks crazy. after I left, they started loading it in and I was like so upset. Um <laughs> But, but so that's, that's where I worked. And it obviously, you saw the resort, a very (laughs) different kind of people than the people that I am used to associating with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, Very rich, very white, you know, very Republican. So yeah, (laughs) um, it was just it was was a completely different world, lots of characters, but you're right. It's just like these people operate on like, different levels of reality and it's just it's Mm -hmm. so interesting to see the world through them (laughs) oh absolutely and like yeah it's just I think like I as much as I love plays about theater I also sort of hate them because I just feel like why are we constantly talking about ourselves no so (laughs) we don't we don't need either one yeah literally it's like we we already have that audience like let's let's like get out of ourselves for a second um but I also agree with you when you said you know look at smaller companies and connect with those people um because there is so much you can learn from working at a smaller company like when you do work for a smaller company you're kind of thrown into the trenches and you have to figure it out as you go and Mm -hmm. I think there is so much merit in that education. Um, I also think it's important at the same time to make sure that like, it's important to work at a place that has an HR team or has a group of people that you can talk to if there's a problem. Uh, Because I just think that like, as much as I love those smaller theater companies, and also this happens at bigger theater companies as well, um, you do need to have people that you can talk to if anything goes awry, which can happen in theater a lot. So I think that's a big thing with, with interning. It's like, there are so many abusive practices in the industry. And like, when you're an intern, you know, I've worked at really amazing places, but I've also seen like, you know, some people not acting in the best way that they should. And so it's like, there is so much you can learn from that. Um, But I also think it's important to make sure you're keeping yourself safe. So like talk to people who work in the theater, in the theater industry in your town or, or wherever you're working um, and just make sure you kind of have a, a knowledge of what other people think about that theater because I think there is so much you can learn from from having those conversations absolutely and definitely something that I recommend is those Facebook groups so I was talking Mm -hmm. about this before we started recording um there's a Facebook group called let me pull it up lift the curtain and unpaid arts internships so this this um whole Facebook group there's like 5,000 members in it uh it's all about that's wild it's crazy I'll I'll send you an invite um yeah like all of these people who've worked in the industry for years and and they're doing just that just what grace just said they're talking about their experience at a specific place um around this time of year when a lot of applications are coming out and people are interviewing for jobs people will be like hey has anyone worked at this theater and done this apprentice program and then the comments will be flooded with either don't go there or like yeah Yeah. great experience or dm me (laughs) so which is always really menacing they're like i was there dm me and i'm always like oh um but i definitely recommend groups like that and that is that is also a much larger support system of i feel like we're better at it now, but at least, you know, a few years ago, um, it's like no one really prepared people for what these arts internships and apprenticeships um, would look like. So a lot of people were just mm-hmm. kind of letting themselves be taken advantage of in a way um, where like you read through some of these posts in this group and it's like people were like, I worked more than 40 hours a week. I had to do a lot of physical labor that I wasn't told that I was going to have to do. I was put on four shows instead of two at the summer stock program and never slept. Um, or like they didn't oh my, God. my housing or food, which they didn't tell me they were going to do. So blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it was definitely like reading between the lines 
these job postings too and making sure that it's like actual fair compensation. And this is something that uh, my fellow students are doing a really great job of right now is, you know, over the past couple months or so, our professors have been like sending us a lot of big um a lot of emails to like the entire school. It's like, hey, here's an apprenticeship program for the summer. Or, hey, here's an internship program this summer. And mm-hmm. the students are really good at hitting that reply all and being like, is it okay? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. That's a good question. That's something that professors don't seem to be thinking of when they send out the opportunity. They're like, here's an opportunity. And then we reply back and we're like, is it paid? And they're like, I actually don't know. Great question. It's also definitely something like make sure you're doing the research, make sure you're not being taken advantage of, make sure they're like clear, you know, um, boundaries of like knowing if you can't put in like a lot of physical labor, like going through and making sure that that's not something that will be required of you in your position um, and really standing up for yourself, which I also think it is unfair having to be in the position of like an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, like having to stand up for yourself in a way that you've never had to do before. Um, So it definitely sucks from that respect, but like Facebook groups like this one and like talking to other peers um, or friends that have been like similar instances are definitely great support networks and they will find you like a good position. They will help you if you're struggling. You're like, I don't know who to talk to. Like there's a lot of people yeah. like this happened, but I don't know who to talk to. And like people are flooding the comments. Like you should talk to this person. Maybe you should do this. So there's definitely support networks out there. But yeah, as a whole, and I mean, I always say this when I try to explain to people what arts internships look like and I'm always like it's a lawless place and it really Mm -hmm. does feel like that somewhere you're oh yeah horror stories of these people that are like working summer stock shows and like having to build sets for like six shows at once and like you know never getting time off or like only making like a thousand dollars for the entire summer which is nothing when you're breaking Mm -hmm. down what you're doing so yeah the theater industry really does suck in terms of internships and apprenticeship programs in my opinion at least I think there's a lot out there that are definitely not getting um the recognition that they need in a bad way and they're not they're not being held accountable for what they're requiring of these young people Mm -hmm. well and I also think it's ridiculous how for so many institutions they care about experience versus what you can actually bring to the table like there are so many amazing people who who are really intelligent and have all of this like knowledge about theater, but it's like, because they, you know, have an intern at X, Y, and Z, they don't get the job, which is just ridiculous to me because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I've, I've worked at several theater institutions and I can tell you that I don't know everything. Like I really don't. Mm-hmm. And I think for a really long time, even when I was interning at these places, I still felt like I didn't know anything or that I, you know, cause it's like when you, when you do intern at these places, they kind of throw you into the trenches and they're oh, like, sure. all right. And they'll throw around a lot of terminology and jargon. Oh, yeah. Not aware of. Absolutely. And I'm like, not everybody has an arts management degree and thank God for that. Because if everyone did, then like, we would not be in an, you know, as much as I love arts admin majors and I think they are absolutely incredible and they do know a lot. I think there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of benefit to having people outside of that to come in Mm -hmm. and kind of give you their knowledge. So I think, yeah, there needs to be more transparency in the process and more transparency when you do work there. Like something I really appreciated when I worked at the Kennedy center, they had an entire education program where we took classes every single week. And like, we were going into, you know, what, what makes a nonprofit a nonprofit and what are mission statements and um, what does each department do? And that was something that like, you know, after working at several theaters, you would think I would know, but like there were things that I truly didn't know because no one explains them to you. They just kind of throw you in there and expect you to know, which is crazy, you know, because it's like, it's no, such a 100%. weird industry. It's such a weird you know? industry. It was also, it was really jarring for me too, as, as my first internship just this year, like, obviously, like I'm in a dramaturgy program, like I'm very confident in my levels of script analysis and such. But Mm -hmm. when when my, my coordinator, the head of the um, literary department was just tossing scripts my way and being like, here, give me coverage on these five plays. And then I'd give her coverage. And she was like, okay, now you can write rejection letters for them. I was like, you're not going to double check my work. <laughs> you, you just, you just trust my opinion that I didn't like this play really. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's also like, 
like being sure of your abilities in that way too, where it's like, you do just kind of get thrown in and like, obviously they hired you for a reason. They know that you have the skill set and you know that you have the skill set, but it's also like, all of a sudden I was like, oh, there's this power I didn't know I have. I can reject all these mm-hmm. scripts. Um, but yeah, so it really is just getting thrown into the fire. And I'm glad that there are, I've seen a lot more of internships, the educational components, um, you know, which is great. Like you said, teaching you about like, I didn't know the difference between like a Lord A theater and like a Lord D theater until like this year. And we were talking about differences in budget, you know, and in what projects mm-hmm. we could take on and what we couldn't do. Like I said, you got to use your internship experience, even if you're not having those educational programs to really try to teach yourself as much as possible um, and really kind of have an understanding of the way this industry works, which obviously I have no idea how this industry works. It's still, it baffles me. Nobody I does. Think, I don't think it will ever not baffle me, you know? Um, oh yeah. Well, there are certain people I've asked them. I'm like, so why do our tickets like cost this much money? And sometimes they can somewhat explain it to me, but they're like, it's, it's really complicated. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to work in marketing. Like, that's what I, you know what I mean? I'm going to work in marketing or dramaturgy. So like, I need to know why these tickets cost this much because people are going to ask me. It's like, okay. So if we're going to have like, if we want more young people, more people of diverse backgrounds in the theater, why are these tickets 250 plus dollars? <laughs> Can anyone mm-hmm. answer that to yeah. me? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Um, I well, I think like, about like Jagged Little Pill, you know, <laughs> where it's like tickets are, I remember I was going to see it before, before all of this happened. It was like right. um, in February, I think when I was in New York and it was like tickets were like 200 to $300. And I was like, I could literally see Alanis Morissette for less money. You know? I, I, I literally <laughs> was like, that's half of my food budget for like, <laughs> right. For this month, that's like how much I have to to go grocery shopping with. So, um, so I was never more like just completely blindsided by the tone. I I don't think I think that was the first moment I started to realize like how tone deaf and how corrupt like bigger Broadway mm-hmm. um commercialization of theater is because I think that was the first moment where I was like, oh, they really have no idea that I can't afford that and that theater yeah. shouldn't cost that much. Um, but no, something else you brought up when we were talking about, you know internships and you know having to do it unpaid it's like that's a big way that I think a lot of theaters are missing out on diversity too because it's like you Mm -hmm. can't have people from lower income families or people without like a family to support them you know who are supporting themselves through college like they're not Mm -hmm. gonna be able to support themselves through an unpaid internship or I know a lot of internships make you relocate somewhere but they won't necessarily pay for relocation they won't give you like a housing or food stipend so it's like you can't support yourself in another city. You can't figure out how to move there as well. So it's also like a huge, huge component of why we're not really seeing a lot of diversity um, coming into theaters is because, you know, they're coming in at the internship level and they're people that come from affluent families and they're people that are able to kind of live in a different city for the summer, you know, or like have that Mm -hmm. support network. So I think that's a big problem with internships in the theater industry too it's just like there's not enough of programs that like help you out in that respect but it's also like the ones that do are like specifically diversity programs which also Mm -hmm. doesn't sit right with me because it's like you've got to hire people of color non-binary you know people with disabilities you've got to hire those people not just for a a diversity Mm -hmm. program you gotta they don't want to sit there and talk to you about how you can make your theater more diverse they want to be like literary interns education interns directing development interns you know they they do not want to be doing that work forever they don't want to be put in that box so I think that's the problem I have right now too with the industry is maybe there are people trying to do more diversity things but I have seen so many listings for diversity internships this summer that I've never Mm -hmm. seen before and I definitely applied to a couple I was like this could be interesting but it's like while I appreciate it I don't think that's the right way to go you know Mm -hmm. like I think that theaters who are trying to make themselves more diverse and trying to realign their purposes and goals and mission I think that's work that they have to do themselves and in a way Mm -hmm. I see like bringing in specifically diversity program interns I see that personally as like pretty performative. I don't Mm -hmm. see that as something that's serving the interns as much as it's serving the theater company, um, which I don't like. I think it should be definitely way more of a two-way street of like, you know, yeah, you're providing a service as an intern, but what is this company giving you in return? Like what Mm -hmm. advantages are you getting from doing this? So I don't know. 
And I think it's important to like, (laughs) yeah, no, I mean, I think that's so, that's so valid. And like, you know, and what you were saying about how, yeah, they only ask you about, you know, diversity, but then it's like, they don't realize how that actually affects, you know, it, it, it's not just like, they'll ask you about, you know, delivering a statement, right. If mm-hmm. something happens, but then they won't ask you or take you seriously when you talk about lowering ticket prices or accessible language or, you know, design or whatever it is, because mm-hmm. they don't realize that like all of these issues, they trickle down so much into every single system Absolutely. that they've built. So, and even, you know, when I read these, you know, internship requirements where they're like, you need to have a college degree. It's like, that's a level of privilege that like, you know, already excludes a lot of amazing people who could have, who could be a part of this. So there are so many limitations and so many ways that the theater industry just like has these barriers and they don't necessarily, it's like, they want to eliminate these barriers, but they don't know how to, and they do it in like the wrong way. You know, and you're like, constantly, you're so close, constantly giving you know? us not what we want. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's They're like, like, you're welcome. Here you go. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> no one wanted literally. This. And, and it's funny. Cause it's like, even when you do intern at these places, it's like, you never know if what you're doing is right. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they'll give you positive feedback but like sometimes you have no idea how you're doing and so it's this constant thing of like am I doing the right thing and I think a lot of young people have a lot of imposter syndrome in the theater industry because you just you never know how you're doing nobody tells you if what you're doing is right oh no every time I read a script and I don't like it I'm like did I just not get it like is this actually Mm -hmm. it and I just I didn't understand it um and so it's also just like a lot of this is the value of theater internships in a way that it's like a lot of, it makes you mature, I think a lot faster in terms of an artistic way, but also like in self-growth. Like I had to learn really quick to trust my instincts. And Mm -hmm. if I didn't like something in the first 10 pages, then that's fine. That's good. I should, you know, like I, if I read a 10 page sample, then that's it. That's all I get. I have to base my opinion on that. So I think it is like really big for growing in in that way that like you really have to learn how to trust yourself and kind of I kind of like beat myself out of that imposter syndrome just because I had so many scripts to get through I was like all right we're just gonna yes or no go through it get reaction yeah Um, but I also think that's detrimental too in that I think when you're 18 19 20 21 like you have to grow up a lot faster I think in the theater industry um and -hmm. I think in theater school too I definitely think you have to grow up a lot faster than your peers which is I guess okay and great in terms of like self-reflection and emotional intelligence but it's also like really hardening like you kind of skip the point where you can just be a kid making plays for fun you know and you're jumping immediately into what kind of art do I want to be making for the rest of my life um saying that, I mean, obviously I'm not quite past the point where I can make things for fun. Obviously I keep doing that and I want to do that and everything. Yeah, no, it's very true. And I think that, you know, the industry, it's like you, you do grow up really fast. And I remember even with my first internship, like it was so interesting because the conversations I was having, you know, in college where we were talking about accessibility and diversity and like all of these really interesting, like we were really delving into like how the industry needs to change and what we need to do to change it. And then I worked at this institution and I was like, oh, they are so, it's like, they're so far behind in terms of where we need to be. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how do we take the things that we are learning in the classroom and apply them to the industry when it's like, you know, they're not even ready for those conversations yet. You know, like I, like me being a white woman with, you know, a dis- an invisible disability, I have so much privilege, right? And I've even felt the, the after effects of like how the industry, you know, is not equitable. And it's like, if I'm feeling that, how is everyone else feeling, you know? Right. And that was something exactly. that, that I really realized, like, if I'm feeling that, what is everyone else? I don't know. So it, it's just, it's a really interesting thing of like, Um, how do we make the industry better and how do we have those conversations when it's like, it's just, everything has changed so much in the past few years in terms of the conversations we're having and thank God for that. But like, Right. No, I I agree. I think things are changing so, so, so fast. And this is someone that a comment in my, um, someone made this comment in my episode last week, just talking about our specific educational institution. It's the problem of being so one way for so long has made 
first Carnegie Mellon, but also like the industry as a whole, just like so, so inherently resistant to change. And Mm -hmm. over the past, even just over the past year, there's been a lot of fights for a lot of huge systemic infrastructure changes in the theater, which, I mean, you can kind of understand why like a lot of the older people in the industry and a lot of the bigger institutions are completely baffled by it. It and like blindsided by it because yeah these are things that have probably been brought up for a very long time but it's never been like as loud or as urgent as it is now um and it's definitely like I think that that is why you know they're doing things like having these diversity apprenticeships and things like that because they're like aha this is a way we can change and do it quickly and get people off our backs you know but it's mm-hmm. also like that's not the right way to go about it and like maybe you're talking to young people but maybe you're not talking to the right young people maybe you're not actually listening to the young people you know um mm-hmm. maybe you just like don't don't understand entirely what the young people are saying and trying to get you to do uh but no i think there's a lot of value in having young people as interns because they can bring in those conversations that a lot of these like you know these big theater institutions they plan their seasons and then they plan their next season and then they try to raise more money and then they plan their next season and it's like i'm giving them grace in that it's hard to think about realigning your vision and goals and all that when it's been one way for so long and you've been thinking about so many other things for so long. So it's definitely, I can see why it's really challenging for them, but it's also like now is the time to change more than anything. That's why mm-hmm. when I seen all of this like Broadway reopening, I was like, obviously we're all happy that Broadway's coming back, but it's also like that other side of it knowing that no one's really made any huge big like plans to change the culture of Broadway that you're like "Ah, can we have a little bit more time you know yeah Um, it's like it's like a bittersweet oh I would love to go see Wicked but (laughs) are we gonna talk Mm -hmm. about all of these other problems um are we gonna all like boycott like Music Man like what's going on here you know so yeah Well, and there are so many things that I felt like they should have done in terms of the Broadway League. I think there are a lot of things that they could have done in the in-between that they just didn't do. Mm -hmm. You know, they waited and they waited. And I, and I just feel like you, you needed to do all of this when we had the year to do it. Like Mm -hmm. there were so many organizations that said, when we come back, we're going to come back stronger. And it's like, okay, but like, you and have like, all this no, time. No, instead you like furloughed half your staff and you just literally on doing nothing for months. Oh yeah. And I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when theater does come back and to see those conversations and those relationships with institutions and with the people who worked for them, because it's like, you know, you let go of all of these amazing people and you basically, you know, made them kind of struggle for a year. And then now you're asking them to come back to the institution and pretend that none of that happened. So how are you going to make people feel like they're a part of that organization? And then, you know, I think there are a lot of people who are probably not going to want to come back after all oh, of this yeah. is over. And no, for sure. when that is the case, like, are you actually going to put in the strides to like make, you know, diversity a priority? Are you actually mm-hmm. going to apply the people that are you going to not apply, but accept the people that you said that you would accept? Right. Um, and, you know, I think people have to realize it's not just, you can't just be accepting people with the same educational background who went to Yale or Columbia for their grad school mm-hmm. like program. Like there are, I've had conversations with some people who go to these amazing schools, right? And it's like, they don't know, they, they aren't even ready to accept the privileges that they have. And I'm Absolutely. like, you know what I mean? So it's, right. it's like, we need to make sure that we're not just accepting people who have all these experiences or have this sort of education, but really, you know, lean on people who like have, you know, who have a prior knowledge of like community organizing, like organizing communities and right. um, and engaging communities because that's what theater needs to do in the future. And that's Absolutely. what it needs to be doing more of. So yeah, much more of like that grassroots, like getting back to the actual communities at hand and thinking about the people that you're bringing in, like who you're telling the story for at the end of the day is always like the quintessential theater Mm-hmm. you know questions like who is the story for why this play now and so you need people who can do that grassroots like I think our community needs this um and we don't have that right now like no one in the community needs music man I don't know a single person that's like yes this is what Broadway needed in this time of crisis I, I do recognize that I, I do go to Carnegie Mellon you know school <laughs> of drama I am I am getting a dramaturgy degree which is like a super rare there's only like two undergrad dramaturgy degrees in the country so it's like I do have a lot of privilege academically and educationally from that you know point of view but it's also like 
we need those people who just kind of grew up in this area and can tell us what the people in this area need, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'd much rather that person get hired than me with my degree from like across the country that doesn't know anything about this community that I'm trying to like serve now. You know, I think there's a way more value in hiring that person that got their high school diploma or didn't and, but like actively knows what kind of art the people in that community want to see. So it's a, it's a big risk. It's a big gamble, but I do think that's the kind of, outreach that we need to be seeing and the kind of hiring that we need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I think when we also like work at these institutions too, like I know for me, I get really nervous to have conversations with people outside of theater. Right. And like to go to these communities and be like, Hey, like, let me tell you about this player. Let me support you at this community event that you're hosting. Like it can feel really scary to do that, but that outreach is absolutely essential. And we need to be creating those connections with those organizations. And like, I also feel you like as somebody who went to a private institution and moved to DC and lived there for like four years, for me to say that, like, I am a DC theater maker is a really bold statement to make because it's like, I didn't grow up there. I didn't know the the theater community when I was, you know, when I was a child, but it's like, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, you have to, you have to embrace the communities that you're working for and you have to make an effort to get to know them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we are really lacking, especially in marketing. I know, like, you know, we sent emails rather than actually going to their events and like getting to know them, you know? And I, I think we have to start viewing theaters as community builders and as places that that are intended to serve the communities, you know? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree 100%. <laughs> I'm going to start wrapping up our topic a little bit. Um, just kind of give, let's, let's give our, our listeners, we kind of already gave them advice, but especially since this is a time where I feel like internship applications are probably closed, but like at least interviews are going on mm-hmm. and going strong. Let's, let's throw out <laughs> some advice. I'm trying to see what, what advice I have. First of all, I mean, always just like keep checking your resume, you know, get people to look at it, um, make sure your formatting is like coherent and, and, you know, make sure you've got stuff on there that you're really proud of in terms of an interview. Like I said, really know the kind of art you like to create um, and the kind mm-hmm. of art you like to see on stage. I've had a lot of interviews for theater internships ask me about like a play that I've seen that's changed my life. Um, So definitely be like ready to talk about something like that. And I mean, just in general, be like, be sure of what you bring to the table. I think that's my biggest advice for anyone who's young Mm -hmm. and trying to enter the industry. It's like, you have to know what you are bringing that makes you special. And it's okay if you're not quite sure of it yet, but at least fake it until you until you know what it is. Um, like I definitely don't think I know yet, but like I can fake it in the room, you know. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm special, and you need me, and that's the mentality you have to enter into these these interviews with. Absolutely, I think my advice: um, <laughs> don't send your acting resume if you're applying for. Well, I guess any position at a theater institution <laughs> as much because I've, I've worked at these institutions and people will send their acting resume and you're like, so that, <laughs> right. It's like, you're telling me that this is not your priority. Right. And so it's like, just, I think maybe not do that. Um, maybe also, not a headshot if you're not yeah, applying for a role. <laughs> exactly. Like we don't need to see that. Like we want to know what you're doing in your, you know, at your universities and, um, um, or just in your communities. Uh, I also think like an important thing is, you know, find a way to like, I don't know, tell your story through your resume and through your cover letter. I think that's something that people, um, some people forget, right? Like they feel like they have to, they have to send a resume that um, formatted in a certain way. But like, for me, like my resume is yellow, you know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> it's very much like my energy. And I try to I try to show people like who I am through my resume and really tell a story. And, um, and when I was working at studio, I saw, I saw a a person send in, um, this really awesome resume and, and cover letter where they actually like formatted it so that it kind of was in the same style, you know, and they, they did it on Canva and it was really cool because, and they also applied like the, um, the, the, the brand style of studio, like they used, you know, the orange Mm -hmm. color that they had at that time. And so, I thought that was really brilliant, you know, and a really cool way to like, um, to introduce yourself to the organization and say, Hey, I really know what you're doing. Um, and I think, you know, make sure that you, I mean, talk about their mission statement and really apply, um, 
what you can do, especially to their mission statement. Cause I think that like, I mean, theaters are mission driven. So if you really apply your skills to their mission statement, there is so much that you can do for them. If you're you're applying for a new work theater, you should absolutely have new work stuff on your resume. Um, Absolutely. And you should absolutely that be talking about that in your um, interview and your application. But I also, yeah, you had a really good point with like branding yourself. And I mean, I, mm-hmm. I kind of hate that term because I think it's a very like, you know, commercial theater thing to like, you know, have <laughs> a brand for yourself and to be able to sell yourself. But you kind of do at least, at least now is a good time to start thinking about building your brand, you know, like, how do you do you want to be like a multi hyphenate director dramaturg playwright theater critic mm-hmm. arts activist? Or are you just like <laughs> one of those things, you know? I have mine changes literally depending on what job I'm applying for the top of the resume changes what multi hyphenate I'm going to be that day. Mm-hmm. So it's also just kind of knowing knowing who you are in that respect too and like making like a really cohesive kit like, of like cover letter logo maybe website you know uh, portfolio whatever that like is you and feels like you and it's not just something that you're throwing on a page to get a job it like feels like it's your energy and and it really represents like I said, what you bring to the table. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, I think people are very hesitant to say the word branding, but there's so much that branding can encompass. And like, it doesn't always have to be like you fitting yourself into a mold. It can just be you, you know, declaring who you are in the most amazing way possible. And like, um, and, and branding shouldn't be a thing that confines you. It should be something that, that is, um, it should be a way that you're excited to announce yourself, right? To an organization or to the world. And I think that's so important. Like, I think it's so funny when people tell me, oh, this is unmarketable or this is unmarketable. I'm like, theater institutions don't really have that conversation. Like they really do try to find a way to, um, to, you know, to promote your work to the right audience. Like, is that audience there? And are they ready to see that show? That's the question you should really be asking. So, yeah, but I think like what you were saying was for sure, like, that's such great advice, you Mm -hmm. know, like making sure to, to really align yourself with these institutions and to understand like what work they're, what work they're doing and how you can best benefit that is such an important question to think about. Exactly. And it's also like, I mean, I say this a lot with, I I talk to a lot of prospective students for the School of Drama. I say this a lot with them when they're looking at institutions and like programs to go to, like you're interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. Mm -hmm. And while like, obviously, like, as you're, you know, you're new to the industry, you just kind of want to take what you've got. Um, Like, you really do have to look at like long term benefits. Like, am I going to be happy here? Like I said, do Mm -hmm. does their mission align with my mission? You know, Um, do their values align with my values? Like, do they have potential for growth? Or is this going to be like something that's just going to destroy my spirit for the next two months? Yeah, it's also like taking that. And like I said, obviously, like, we're all kind of in that boat right now, where it's like, I'll take whatever I can get. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do not care. I'll take whatever will pay me. (laughs) Um, Or even not pay me. I'll take whatever will just throw me something. I think this is all great advice. Um, that was a good conversation about internships. It's been definitely weighing on my mind recently with all the applications <laughs> and interviews I've been putting, I've been putting myself through. Before I start wrapping it up, thank you for coming on and for responding to my creepy in the TikTok DM. Not <laughs> creepy at all. I loved it. So thank you for like reaching out. <laughs> <laughs> of course of course uh hopefully we'll find many more um yeah and if you see anyone on tiktok you know screenshot their account send it absolutely. my way I'll, absolutely I'll um but yeah let's let's ask let me pull them up my final questions so the first one that i always ask all of my guests is this podcast is called for the revolution so how do you define the revolution Oh, in so many ways, in so many ways. (laughs) I think that we really need to, the revolution really starts at college, like institutions. And I think that our generation, as much as we sort of hate it in a way, we really do have to know how to speak up Mm -hmm. and speak out about the things that we really care about. And not only that, we have to remember like how these institutions, how whether it's a college training program or a place that you're interning, like what were the things that they did to you that really did affect you in a negative way? And don't learn how to apply those things, right? Like learn how to be better than that and mm-hmm. learn how to, how to separate yourself from that. And also like 
once you are in the door, how can you really help other people? Because I've seen this, especially with so many, with so many white women in the institute, in the industry, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, they learn how to act like men and then they forget how to, how to really, you know, how to be compassionate human beings. Right. Cause it's like, once they're in that space, um, and I, and I don't think it's that they don't try to be compassionate. Right. I think it's Mm -hmm. more so that like, well, now they have their foot in the door and now they have that space and they have to force their way in. And then they kind of lost who they were in the process. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, how do you, once you are in the door, how do you continue to fight for people who may not be in the door? Um, because now you do have that privilege to speak out, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, I know that transition can kind of be a weird thing. Right. But it's like, when you're working at an institution for several years, now you are the person in charge and now you have that privilege to speak out and to, and to allow people to, um, to, you know, to enter the space, however they want to enter it. (laughs) Exactly. I think that's a really important thing to remember, especially with our generation. Like how can we best uh, fight for the people who are not in the door and who are not, whose stories are not being told um, and to constantly ask those questions. So I guess that is a part of the revolution too. And I also think accessibility. Oh yeah. Like accessibility is a huge thing. Um, I think that a lot of people, right. Like accessibility can be financial accessibility. It can be, um, it can be accessibility in terms of people with disabilities, but I think people forget like all of these things are, are the same, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're all systems that operate under white supremacy. And so we have to acknowledge how those trickle down and how they affect everyone. So I think understanding the system is really important in order to fight the system and, and create a revolution in whatever industry you want to work in. So, yeah, absolutely. No, that was a great answer. And I I thought of a play as you were talking, (laughs) as you were talking about this, I thought of a play recommendation. I tried to do a play recommendation for every episode, but I I oftentimes forget. So that reminded me of this really fantastic play. Um, I don't know if you've ever read it. It's called, Do You Feel Anger? by Mara Nelson Greenberg. Um, That was the play I was reading this morning. Was it really? No. Yes. Oh Are God. you kidding? That's so crazy. Cause I literally, before we were filming this, I was like, I was reading this amazing play this morning that was like really good. <laughs> no, because as play. you were talking about like white women that like are inserting themselves in these spaces, like I literally was like, what's mm-hmm. that play? I know that play. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's such oh my a gosh, great show. Crazy. Oh my it's God, I was reading it and I was like, yeah. Play. Everyone go read it. It's, mm-hmm. it's really amazing. Um, It's very recent. So, and Mara, Mara is a really incredible playwright. So everyone can Oh, she's play. fantastic. And it's hilarious too. Like, it's, it's so great. So and I, I hope theater companies you. will produce it when it comes back. Oh my gosh. When you, when you finish the script, let me know your thoughts. Cause it was like, for me, it was like, <gasps> kind of a moment. Like it was, yeah. really, it was really great. Um, Ooh, oh I love gosh, those I endings. We really <laughs> had the same thought. It's great. I love that. Uh-huh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, everyone. Okay. So that's my flag recommendation is, do you feel anger? Um, mm-hmm. And then, so my second question is, how do you define the dramaturgy of the moment? Which is big. And I let people define yeah. however you want to define the moment. So I think digital accessibility is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Like I love to see how so many people are speaking out about these institutions that, that have just wronged them in the past. Um, especially on digital platforms. Like I think we've seen, especially in the past few months, like some organizations are not speaking out about what's been going on. And there are, and I understand why, right? Like there is so much, I don't think people realize this, but there there are so many factors at play. Like when we look at, you know, a lot of these um, publications, like these theater institutions are paying for them to be possible. Mm-hmm. So when you have all these institutions giving you money, you can't really speak out about the people who are, who are giving you, who money. are abusing their power. Right. Exactly. So like, I think an important thing that we can all do, it's like, how can we invest in these, um, in these other publications, you know, like token theater friends or, mm-hmm. you know, on stage blog, because they're the ones who are really delivering the news and telling you what's really going on. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really important thing um, moving forward to trust these digital platforms and how can we make um, our knowledge of theater even more accessible to everyone. And it's not just in writing because that that can also be a barrier to entry, right? Like how can we really create um, 
accessible ways to learn through film, through, uh, through TikTok, through Instagram, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, because like, I mean, I've learned so much about theater through Twitter in the past oh my few gosh, years. Same, same. Right? I've, I've, I've seen so much that I didn't realize were things before, like problems before, fights before until Twitter. And honestly, TikTok, I've learned so much through TikTok, even just in the last couple of months, um, all of this, mm-hmm. you know, radical dramaturgy stuff now popping up on my page. It's like, I can finally start to understand these bigger issues and these bigger philosophies in theater, which is really great. And I, that's why I do say like, TikTok is the future of theater, but like broader like TikTok, I do think is the future of all storytelling the way that it's such an accessible way to distribute information, you know, like, mm-hmm. like Emma says, you know, theaters should be like libraries and it's fine mm-hmm. to actually open up that information to everyone. And I do think that like social media platforms are a really excellent way to do that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I agree. Okay, so our third question is just like, what are you reading slash watching slash working on right now slash listening to just like a TV show or book or something that you would recommend? Yeah. So I've been trying to read a play every day in the past month, which has been kind of crazy. Great. Wow. Um, challenge. (laughs) It's, it's been a, it's definitely been a challenge, but I think it's, it's something that, you know, I used to read so many plays when I was in college. Like I would literally read like four plays one day and it would be like the best thing ever. Right. But mm-hmm. I think that like when you're not, you know, um, in that academic space, it can be hard to, to constantly educate yourself. Right. So I think that like, I mean, for me, I just read, um, which by Jen Silverman, which I recommend to everyone. It's an incredible play. It's so good. (laughs) Like I can't even, it's funny. It's insightful. I was laughing through the play. And then I was like literally crying reading the show at the end. Cause it's just such a, um, like such a bittersweet sentimental sort of horrible ending, but it (laughs) makes you feel all the feels. Um, so I definitely recommend that. What else? Um, everything Claire Barron has ever written. I think a lot of people focus on like, you know, dance nation, but like you got older. I mean, that's her heart. And I love, I love the way that she, she makes theater really um, exciting because she'll show things about humanity that are really like things that we all do that are very odd. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, not things I, I I mean, I've never like picked a scab from somebody's face. Like that's a little weird, (laughs) but like seeing that on stage is like, I mean, I don't think that's like a traumatic thing to see in the sense where you're going to see that and go, oh God, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. But it's, it's like disturbing to see on stage. Right. And there's so many things that you can explore in playwriting that I feel like are. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was a companion for like 10 years and Dance Nation really spoke to me in a really (laughs) traumatic way. (laughs) Exactly. So I I think that's like a really exciting thing to see. Yeah. I think there's a lot of really exciting work out there, but (laughs) those are just some of them. If you want to see more, I recommend a lot of plays on TikTok. So you you do absolutely (laughs) everyone. Yeah. Plug your TikTok one more time. Not Kristen Bell that's the TikTok. Make sure to go and follow. <laughs> got great content on there, everyone. Promise. Thank you. I like spent like an hour just like stalking you before I actually jammed. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, <laughs> great. I'm honored. Um, Thank you. Of course, of course. I mean, I just spend hours on TikTok anyway. The last question that I have for you before I let you get back to your lovely day um, is what do you think the future of theater needs? And I try to ask people to keep it as short as they can, like under five words. Mm-hmm. Disabled people of all shapes, sizes, what backgrounds, everything. I just think we need more disabled people in theater. I agree. I think accessibility is a big thing that we've ignored for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, both like the people we see on stage and just the way that theater is built and written and made too. So I agree hundred percent. And I think that could be a really great topic for our next. Discussion. Yes. I would love to talk about disability in theater. I have so Absolutely. many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So, so, so many thoughts. Um, But yeah, like I said, Grace, it was absolutely lovely having you on today. Thank you so much. Also for like, thank you for having me. (laughs) No, I mean, thank you for like being so accommodating because I know (laughs) my schedule is also all over the place. So I really appreciate it. (laughs) 
No, of course. And and yeah, you're welcome to come back anytime. Everyone go follow Grace um, at yes. Bell on TikTok. Check out her work. She has a lot of really cool stuff on there. Like I said, you could scroll for hours. Um, and I promise it's not all, you know, like really deep, heavy stuff. There's just some funny <laughs> musical theater jokes too, which we can all relate yes, to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes so everyone go follow her um and go like this and leave a review i love when people leave a little apple podcast review it makes me feel a lot better someone <laughs> gave me one star i have like 10 five stars and someone gave me a one star and i was like oh my god who i think it was Lin-Man. oh my god i bashed him pretty bad in one of my episodes as if Lin-Man honestly yeah but whatever um <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, so everyone go drop a review, drop a like, go follow our Twitter <laughs> at For the Revolution and our Instagram at For the Rev underscore podcast. Um, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Oh